Welcome to the call-in segment, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay. Welcome to Sabby Sab's podcast on call-in. So this is episode nine, the Shama Sawant example. Shama Sawant is an activist who beat her recall for city council in Seattle. She did not run through the Democratic Party. Should progressives follow Shama's model? And I'm going to go ahead and take the first caller, which is Eric. You're on the mic. Hey, Savvy. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thank you for taking my call. You know, I actually watched, uh, uh, I watched her something that I get kind of, it's kind of hard for me to say her name, Kishama, but, uh, or Shama. I listened to her interview with Jordan on Status Scoop live while it was streaming. And it was some of us from your, that watch your show, that watch RBN. We were on the chat line while he was interviewing her. And we were just kind of bigging her up and just saying, like, giving her props. Uh, she's amazing. I mean, she is um, so much energy and she's so the way she speaks and the way she sort of weaves all these ideas so seamlessly and so honestly without any sort of garbage. You know, there's no garbage that she's pushing out. It's all being very uh, honest, very strategic. She's not couching anything at all. You know, she's not trying to, like, put any sort of front. She's not trying to defend herself in any sort of way. She's laying out literally how people should do this. Uh, and if you listen to her, you can't help but understand that, he, that we're lucky that she's there. And I, I feel very lucky that I got to listen to her. And I hope that we can all support her in any way that we can uh, so that she can move forward and that maybe others will do the same like her. Uh, I just... I'm in, I just love what she has to say. I mean, just strategically, uh, I, don't, I don't think I've heard anybody better in my lifetime without any sort of BS. Right. No, I agree. I think the thing with Shama Sawant, too, is that she's very much focused on the workers, right? She was very much for fighting against, like, Amazon, fighting for unions, She's there with the activists. Like, that's the thing. Like, she's one of those people that she got into office, but she didn't stop her work on the ground. And I think part of that is is a little bit easier to do when you're in local politics. I think for some, pe- some reason, when people go to, like, Congress or Senate, they lose that part uh, that they had. And I think there's different reasons for that. But I think the thing with her is that if we could take socialist alternative... And make it into something like, for example, like a lot of people have said, like socialist alternative, like, why isn't that a party? Why isn't that? We don't have that here in the United States. We don't have a socialist party. Like you go to other countries, they have like a socialist party. They have a a conservative party. They have the liberal, they have the progressives. They have so many different parties and we don't even have a worker party like in this country. So if you notice, oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think the model that that she's following, I think that's something that people should be looking at. And and a lot of people, I'll be honest with you, a lot of people did not even cover Shama Sawant's recall, didn't even talk about it. 
Nope. I talked about it multiple times on this show and socialist alternative. They came they on here multiple, multiple times, times to talk about it. And I had to ask myself that question. Like, why are more people not covering this? Like, I know Brie covered it, but I had to ask, like, this is a big deal. Like, I know it's not, you know, a... Uh, a representative, uh, a representative position. position. I know, I know it's, it's not, not a senator, senator position. position. She's, She's not, not in D.C. And I think, and I think that's, that's the reason why some people overlooked it, because it's local politics. But but then I say that, but then there was so much focus on India Walton's race, you know? But again, she was running for the Democratic Party, so I think a big part of that was the fact that people chose to ignore it because she was not running for the Democratic Party. She didn't follow that path. Right, right, right. You have a little bit of echo for some reason. Oh, I, oh do? I do. Let me make sure, make sure everything's muted. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure why. It, do I have but, that now? Yeah, you do. You still do a little bit. I'm not sure. It must be the app, I think. Oh, I, I think I, I know. Why. Okay, how about now? Any echo, Any echo now? now, 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 now. Yeah, you still have it a little bit. Yeah, you do. I'm not. I'm not sure why. <laughs> but you know, I'll, I'll just say this. I don't. I don't think I have an echo right now, so I should be okay. I agree with you. Uh, she was not covered uh, by very few people. Cover her uh, this last run, or not her um, recall, but that was by design. Um, I'm pretty sure that pretty sure that pretty sure she was not Oh, Eric, I think the Eric, I think the Rockfin stream. I think we need to mute that. The one that says has the R at the bottom. I think we need to mute that one. Okay, there we go. Oh, Eric, Eric, you still there? there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, okay. So, so someone, someone said something in the chat. chat. I think this is really important. Savvy, India Walton did not get real union endorsements because she used a non-union print company and she supported charter schools. Buffalo, New York is a huge union town. So bad choices from India, FYI. Interesting. You know, Savvy, I think... Uh, the the other thing with with uh, uh, regarding Kashama is basically that she's not getting any coverage. I am very sure that the powers that be are going to try to diminish her. They're going to try to look to do anything to bring her down uh, in the coming times because she's definitely uh, the person to be on the look for. Uh, she also does multi-purpose strategies. Like uh, during that interview, she was basically saying how uh, Bernie Sanders and AOC could be co-sponsoring policies uh, that they could tackle and go kind of after the same thing from different ways uh, to have a, a united forefront uh, and then sort of push the envelope with the Democrats, which they're not doing. But the fact that she had this this strategy to me was like wow you know she's thinking multi-purposely on how to bring about change you never hear almost anyone say anything like that 
and if she even had a little bit more coverage from, say, the bigger uh, mainstream media sort of channels, I, I think she's going to blow up, meaning you know, she, her, her profile is going to elevate uh, because I don't think a lot of people know about her. You know, we do. We do here in this ecosystem that we talk about, that we get together with you uh, and so forth. But I don't think like a, like a regular person probably hasn't even heard of her. But if you listen to her, she's kind of like RBN. Once you hear her talk, uh, man, it's just it's like it, she changes everything. Once you listen to her, you're like, what? Did she just say what she just said? Can we really do what she's saying? And, and to me, that's why, I mean, someone like her can really spark a lot of people's minds to do more than what we're doing today. I agree. I agree. Um, do I sound, I sound okay, okay now? now? You still have the echo. <laughs> But, but you know, I'm not going to take up more of your time. Maybe the next caller will, maybe the echo will end then. But um, but thank you, Savvy. Um, I really appreciate you guys doing the, the summit this week with RBN and, and uh, your coverage this week. Thank you so much. Awesome. awesome. Um, I'm, I'm going to grab, grab my headphones. Eric, give me just a second. I'm going to grab my headphones. Okay. This is where we need to have Steph, Steph in here where Jimmy says, go to our card. <laughs> we should probably do a, a we'll be right back card. Um, yeah, the, the, the echo is coming in on the, um, on the call. In. So we're, we're working on it. Still coming in here. I wonder if I'm not going here. Yeah, you are. See. Testing, testing one, one two, two. <laughs> test. Test, 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 test. Ooh, I'm not going to. All right, all right. It's got to be something on this end. Okay. So testing, I put in my testing. headphones. All right. I got it fixed. It was uh it was something on my end. Yeah, you got Oh, okay. It's fixed now, Savvy. Okay, cool. Thanks. So, yeah, that's I agree with you. Like we got to do something different. I'm going to go to the next caller. Thanks so much, Eric. Thank you, Savvy. Take care. All righty. Okay, uh Kiana, you're the next caller. Um Hi, um, thanks for taking the time. Um, so I definitely agree with the idea of not running through the Democratic Party, um, especially, well, so I'm going to find this out because what's going on is, um, at the local level, uh, we have a slate and consists of like progressive Democrats uh, in our county. So, and we're trying to get onto like their central committee, and it's more of like 
uh, changing things from the inside kind of thing. And just, yeah, all that. But same time, I just have this feel, feeling like running independent even at that level. Well, but there's one thing that I know for sure is definitely not run through any, not run through the Democratic Party at the federal level. That's all I know. But, well, let's, I hope at the local level it's not, it's going to be easier. <laughs> yeah, and I want people to know there are a lot of, like, for the Green Party, Mm-hmm. They actually have a lot of local positions. And I, I wish people would talk about that a little bit more. Like, yes, like maybe on the federal level, the Green Party hasn't been as successful. But when it comes to the local positions, they actually do pretty well. Oh, wow. And we don't hear about that a lot. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, I can look into the Green Party in my state. So, um. And another thing I asked in the chat, because you did say that there were no socialist parties, and what came to my mind, isn't there a party called the Bread and Roses, or is they, are they something different? I've never heard of that, but I mean, like, for example, parties that are on the ballot. So, like, oh. for example, like, for people that go to vote, I don't see a socialist party on the ballot. Oh. I think... You know, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a socialist party, but if we had some type of party for for the workers, something that like really fought for like laborers of this country, I think that would particularly do really well, especially considering you had so many employees go on strike the past year and a half. Oh yeah. I think that would something like that would do really well. Absolutely. Um and I also agree, uh Sharma Sawant. Um, definitely keep up her like activism even when in office and hopefully me and the sl- everyone on the slate will do the same thing like for example helping hotel workers that have not been called back on to their work um, during the pandemic so that's one of the things yeah. that I'm looking to do and as for myself expand I don't know, community gardens, for example. Yes. Uh, Phenomenal mysticism just said there's a political party called the Socialist Party USA, but their ballot access is very limited to only a few states. Good to know. Thank you, Phenomenal mysticism. I'll look into that later. Thanks. Thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller, and that is Greg Bruce. You're on the mic. Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So the question is, should she run, uh, in, yeah, she should not run the democratic uh, party. Progressives should follow her model. I mean, if I, anyone who wants to actually make a change should not run in the, the democratic party. Um, it's been demonstrated that third party candidates and, uh, independent candidates can win at the local level. Um, and what I think that can do is, you know, I know that, that we need to change things both at the local and national level. Um, but in some ways, local stuff kind of impacts us, our daily lives more. Uh, but even at a national level, the thing is, is that like, 
um, what you have currently is, oh my, my voice is echoing back at me. Anyway. It's not echoing here, so. <laughs> All right, well, whatever. Um, let's stop doing it now. Um, yeah, so what you could, I think what you see happening now is, even though, like, so you have a Democrat, a progressive Democrat city councilor, um, they're still in the Democratic Party. So if they have to interact with people at a higher level, at the state level, or, you know, in, in the U.S. Congress, they can be like, well, you know, I have some connections at the DNC. You want to help your career? Well, why don't you kind of push these policies that kind of suit my agenda? So I think that the Democratic Party's influence trickles all the way down. So the more we can, even at the lowest level, get um, alternatives to the Democratic Party in place, um, it weakens the Democratic Party, which is something I think we all want. So in short, I do think that um, the model of not running through the Democratic Party is, uh, uh, I think that's the good way to go. Yeah, I want to make the comparison to education. For those of you who are educators out there, you may identify with this. Uh, A lot of educators became educators because they really wanted to make a difference. And for those of us that chose to teach in schools that were underperforming, I, I hate using that expression, but that's what they're called, underperforming schools, we really wanted to go into those schools and make a difference. Oftentimes, what teachers will find is that when you get into those schools, they don't really want you to make a difference. And by they, I mean the administrators, (laughs) the principal, the school board, they want you to continue doing what all the other teachers have been doing. They don't want you to come in and try to reinvent curriculum, try to get the kids excited and motivated. They don't want you to do that. And there was a movie about that which was based on a true story. It was called The Freedom Riders. I don't know if everyone has seen that movie. If you haven't, I suggest you check it out. Also, Dangerous Minds is another good example, also based on true events. And it's true what they say in those movies, that when the people who come in that really want to make a difference, you have to last for a certain amount of time if the school has a union. So, for example, in Boston, I think you have to teach for like three years before you can join the teachers' union here. What they'll often do the really good teachers that come in and start to help the students that are struggling and start to try to change things on the inside from within that inside game. A lot of times they're not brought back the next year. Why is that? Because they don't really want you to make a difference. They want you to really just come in, do the status quo, keep things the way that they are. So even though it's their classroom It doesn't matter because the administrators, the people above them are the ones that really make the decisions. And this is why a lot of times you'll see good teachers leave because they're not able to really give their full potential and to be creative and implement some kind of change. I look at this the same way with the Democratic Party, with the two party system. They don't really want someone to come in there and change anything. They like things just the way that they are. And they want you to come in and follow the status quo and walk the line. And anyone who tries to go against the grain, they're going to try to find a way to push them out. So, yeah, uh, 100% agree. So um, we need to fight the hard path, which is um, not through the Democratic Party. They say it's the only path. No, it's just it, it's what seems to be the only path. But we need to walk the hard path. So that's all I got for now.
All right. Thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. And this is Lance. You're on the mic. How you doing, Shabby? Good to talk to you. Hello. Hello, hello. Um, got caught off last time when I was giving you my uh, draft Jimmy Carter pitch, but uh, I'll talk <laughs> about that later. But uh, I got to talk to you. I actually was the last caller with Brianna Joy Gray. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, at the end, she's like, yeah, 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 great, great, great. Back and forth. There were so many, like, long conversations she had because it was a great caller. She was really enthused about it all great. And she's yeah, I'll get your thought next time on who you think is the up and coming next generation of Democrat, you know, progressives. And I didn't, I was going to say, yeah, I'll give her the Jimmy Carter spiel next time. But anyway, um, but multi parties, you hit a great point back to topic about multi parties in the EU and not, um, you know, uh, let AOC and the squad off the hook. But when forced to vote and all that stuff was happening, it, it did look like a little bit of overkill. Like our, my shorty guys aren't even the ones I love. I won't mention names, but. Not that I'm famous enough that it would matter if I did, but, you know, a little bit about click. And I thought, yes, 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 force a vote, absolutely. And so other, like Chomsky eventually, of course, and, and then Richard Wolf. And he said, you know, which who, of course, could just take things that everybody already knows and put it together and connect the dots in a way that's just so brilliant. And Professor Wolf said, you know, in Europe, you, you don't have, like, all on one group of progressives. You have right wing, left wing, and everything in between half a dozen parties, as you were suggesting. So in a sense, AOC couldn't be, and I don't say that there aren't rock star type of, uh, you know, popular, uh, political figures in Europe. They're not all completely all just sober minded, doing everything by the book and intelligent, all every voter, but yeah, just generally, they're just, they're just not, it's not, you're not going to have that. You're not going to have one or two people because there's too many parties. You're not going to, you're not going to schmooze enough people of the general population. Because, and here's the other point, I think, to bring up a new point is the coalitions themselves will keep you in line. Because if you have 18 percent, 15 percent, and then somebody else has 28 percent, but they need a coalition, you're not going to you're not going to screw it up. And you're going to have to be a little more not pure, but you know what I mean? You're going to be held accountable by your own coalition because they don't want to lose that 18 percent. And that gives them clout. So it isn't like all or nothing where you've got to go always to the mishy mushy middle, whatever that is, a little bit left, a little bit right. No. We're going to be the Marxists. We're going to be the socialists. We're going to be the anti-immigrant if it's on the right or there's some center left part, whatever. You know what I mean? But it, it, there's just too many reasons for them having to work together that it forces. And, and because you can see results, of course, by saying, yeah, OK, yeah, I'm going to maybe vote for this coalition, that coalition. It might shift, but it, they keep it, it keeps the you know, I think it keeps the politicians in line. You know, AOC doesn't have to answer anybody. And something I mentioned to her, to you guys, is that I honestly think that the $100 small, I'll stop with this, you know, I could go on for minutes, but I think that this whole small dollar donation, $100 uh, donation thing, I call it the blob lobby. And I thought it was unintended consequence. But I almost think like, because there's some good progressive lobbies, right? There's the old folks lobby. I'm not thrilled with AARP. I'm not thrilled with the teachers union, but they, you know, it does give a voice to unions. There's some good, you know, there's, some, uh, let's say lobbyists that deal with progressives. I think environmental is one of my favorites in a sense, you know, they're winning in court. They're a pretty strong lobby in, uh, in Washington. So all the lobbies aren't just corporate assholes, you know? Uh, but so that said, that's what they do with their money. And that's why bundlers bundle their money, bundle their money. That's why corporate, uh, the politicians like it. They get more money, but the people have more clout. So just like on your point, tangential to your point, uh, savvy about a hundred million dollars. 
wow, how much like direct aid to people could that do? Or, or and or, you know, uh, 50 million, 50 or whatever. But I mean, another hundred, if you had $100 times a million people, there's nothing tied to any of that $100. It's just amorphous money. You're, you might as well not hit John Doe and Jane Doe on every letter, on every one. Because you're not going to be owed anything specifically. It's just, yeah, you're, you're giving $100 for the general progressive socialist slash late. But if 100 people times 1,000 said, hey, we're going to be $100 donators, but here's, here's this issue. Let's say, okay, this 100,000 is for the people that say we want minimum $15 minimum wage. Then another 1,000 people who agree with that, but will say, yeah, this one is for universal health care, 100,000 you know, people donating a chunk for that issue. You know what I'm saying, Sab? That that would mean a lot more than a million people with just $100 each of just individual people. But what would happen if we just all stopped donating to politicians? Absolutely. This, this is a, no, just I, a yes. theory. Like, yeah. Just a theory. No, like, what, what happens if we just, we just stop? Yep. I totally agree. You know, I mean, but if people are going to do it, do it when you're going to get something for it. It's, otherwise, you're just, you just feel good money. It's like Black Lives Matter money. And that's why 90 million went bazoo. Because nobody followed it up with, hey, wait a minute, where's this money going? You know, there's a guy, Geldof, do you remember him from the Good Rats, whatever they were called? And he did the Food for Africa where he went um, uh, and did like fundraisers. Like there was Farm Aid. Remember, there was the ones that, uh, that Willie Nelson did. And there's been other ones. This was for when there was a huge, uh, you know, like starvation thing going on. And I think Ethiopia at the time. And Bob Geldof said, yep. you know something? Once he got into that world, he said, this money goes to really bad people. And so he was one of the first that said, you know what? I myself, he really did. He kind of like half retired. He didn't retire, but he said, I got to oversee this. And then he got really good people. We're going to make sure we're going to buy the trucks. We're going to make sure that we don't get killed with the gas market, you know, black market gas because it's free money from government donate. You know what I mean? And he followed it from every nickel and where it went. So it wasn't just, oh, yeah, you know, here's good, some good money for a cause. And like, I'll, I'll leave, and, you know, so I, again, I could go on and on. But the NGOs, you know, like some of these do-gooder groups, whether it's Salvation Army and the Red Cross with the empty trucks just for show, because their money's just all grift, too. So all of this money, like you're saying, it's not just politicians, but it's anything corporate, anything establishment. They're all assholes. We got to give locally, do everything locally, do it with people where you know where that money's going to go, et cetera. But, yeah, obviously you have other callers and you know, that are just as interesting as me. So I'll stop there and maybe call back and get in the queue again or something. But, oh, oh, could awesome. I just say one last thing? One last thing about third parties and I'll stop. Jill, Jill Stein, you know, <laughs> nice little back and forth. I was the last caller on his show too. I, I And I said to somebody in the, where they said, good job. It was with Jordan Cheriton, who I like a lot, but he's a duopolist too. And I said, you know, third parties, you know, you know, if it was realistic, if it was realistic, and I've already talked about how third parties through history have done, you know, amazing things. But, Jill Stein was on the ballot and she's such a credible. I like Will, uh, Howie Hawkins. We have mutual friends. He doesn't know me by name. We've been in the same company. Some of his best guys that are like his closest guys that help him with elections are good friends of mine, et cetera, et cetera. I like the guy, but he's not going to be the president. He's not going to be a candidate for president legitimately. He just not, he would be great in Senate and Congress. He could because he's super smart and he could do that stuff, but he's not going to be president. I think Congress more than Senate, but Jill Stein definitely. She's on the ballot or was in 2016 in 46 or 48 states. 
So, yeah. you know, it goes, back, it goes back to what Nader said. I said, what do you think would happen, Jordan, if you, like Horton Hears a Who, if every progressive, okay, maybe not all, not just Jimmy Dore, people you disagree, and you, and the squad, and Marianne Williamson, or, and, uh, 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 you know, all the breaking point, all the people, the vanguard, everybody on the left, what if in 2016, if it existed, that he could, all said, yes, 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 Jill Stein, she's on a ballot in 48 states, and all them tens of millions of AOC, tens of millions of all these other people, Jill Stein could very well be president if we did that. He didn't know what to say, actually. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, she was on the ballot in 48 states. But yet, for some reason, people thought it was better to vote for Hillary Clinton. Like, I just, people thought that Hillary Clinton was the better candidate, and she wasn't. And then some people didn't know Jill Stein was running because of mainstream media blockout. You know, that's unfortunately, that's a big part of it. And I think that's where independent media is supposed to come in, though, and pick those people up. Uh, We shouldn't just talk about candidates that are running the Democratic Party that are progressives. We should also talk about these candidates that are third party and that are independent. We should be picking for people to say, well, people don't know about them, but people don't know about them because they're not given a big platform. None. So if you have a large platform, bring them on and then more people will know about them. See, that's the problem. Okay, is that what? That's why these people are all duopoly. This is and Fabby, you helped peel even like whatever layers could ever possibly be left. Even as I get not so much that my politics get further and further left, but my cynicism, realism of what's going on in the Democrats with the left, with progressives, etc. It's just such all a grift, like you know the MPP and all that. Is the idea of um uh just how uh. Uh, well, just what you were saying, oh gosh, I, I just lost the thought for a second, but, um, how, um, oh no, Lance, I know, right? Uh, old fart, you know, old folks moment, you know, Alzheimer's moment, but, um, just that, um, um okay, start. I think you're coming. I'll get out, back. In. There's only a couple callers, so I'm going to get back in queue and I'll remember it. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to the next caller, who is Barat. You're on the mic. Just got to unmute. Oh, Fracto. Fracto. Sorry. Yeah. Nice to talk to you again, Sabby. Welcome back. Yes. So, um. I think I had about three things I wanted to hit. Um, one, thanks for doing the show. Um, I didn't get to catch it, unfortunately, because I was spending time with my dad, but I knew it was good because you've talked about Sharma before and I've seen all the interviews. I just want to say, I think first that Sharma is the, um, is the standard bearer of what I was saying, uh, the other night on Brianna's Joy Grace call in. Um, Lance was there and he was great on that one. And so was, uh, William and, all the other people who are here that were on that one. And what I said was uh, I kind of told a story about how I was working for a banquet company and there was this middle-aged white lady that was real cool, very anti-racist. But she made a comment about how, you know, sometimes, you know, people of color and black people, we can say things that may, you know, repel people. And, and there's truth in that. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of resentment that some black people have, but I had to turn to her and check her and say, as much as that may be true, you don't need me to make you comfortable to do the right thing. Because out of the 400 plus years that black people have been oppressed, no one has ever made us feel comfortable to do the right thing. And 
no one ever believed in us. No one believed in Chris Smalls and what he was doing. And I'm sure nobody believed in, in Sharma. So she's an example of you don't need me to believe in you. And what made Bernie Sanders so ha- have the jagged edge that he had had was the fact that for 40 years, no one knew who he was. And he was just doing the right thing when no one knew who he was, nor believed in him. And he didn't need people to give him money or believe him in order for him to stand for what's right. So that is what Sharma represents, and I hope that everyone follows that lead. Um, I do know that Iremio Sinfrenpog, if you still talk to him, he wants to interview her. I think that would be a great interview by him because he asks politicians very interesting uh, political philosophical questions. So he is asking people to reach out if anyone has contact. The second thing I wanted to mention was um, with Chris Smalls, if you still talk to him, no one has talked about this, as far as I know, but in this contract negotiation, I'm really hoping that something in the contract hedges against automation, because that's where this is going to go if everybody starts unionizing their work, you know, unionizing their workplace. They're going to start really ramping up these robots and machines to replace people, and we need to hedge against that until we get some type of policy. So I just wanted to put that in your ear if you still talk to uh, Chris Smalls, but that that needs to be definitely another thing added into that contract, non-negotiable. Everything else he's asking for, I think, is wonderful, $30 an hour, all of that. But um, I, I wanted your thoughts on that before I go to my third thing. Oh, my gosh, you bring up such a great point. I didn't think about that, but you're right in reference to automation. They could do that, right? Because yeah, they because sign, they don't- like. Yeah, like Amazon could agree to that contract. And if there's nothing in that contract about automation, they could still do that. Yeah, like that is one of the things I care about is technology and how it's going to be. It's already being used to violate our our, um, civil rights, our what I like to call our essential rights. Because as I already said, if you say human rights, even though we know what it means, human is part of nature. Nature doesn't care about one's will, especially human nature. So tiger is around you and you say, hey, that's my arm. It's right to my arm. Who is a tiger, a tiger operating on your terms or are you operating on a tiger's terms? <laughs> so, but nonetheless, it's just violating our rights altogether, especially with what they're doing with censorship through corporations and, and the government right. combined. So, um, yeah. And, and also speaking of which, um, yeah, I just, I, I just please put that in his ear. Um, I guess I have a, the third thing I would say kind of goes into the third parties. I'm going to just put this out there when it comes to MPP. I wish that the whole issues with MPP, that they were as transparent as Jimmy Dore was about his issues with TYT and Anakin's variant. Because, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying one way or another, I just wish that that transparency was there when it comes to the sexual assault stuff. And I wish that MPP and all the players involved were as transparent about the racist terms being used and whatnot just as gotta give credit where credit is due at the time Jen Uger was when it came to the Justice Democrats and if it comes down to it for the sake of the movement it's like is it about the person and the people leading it or is it about the movement and I get the whole like having money where you trust but it's like should it not be democratic in a trust fund or something so that way it doesn't look like nepotism that's just my questions there. But um, with third parties, though, I really think that um, one, someone said it on, I think, 
on uh, Rihanna's show the other day, or it was somewhere else, and they said that uh, they said that basically the Democratic Party has set the precedent for running as an independent against a Democratic nominee after the primary is over, and they did that with India Wilton. I mean, literally, the guy spent money to get stamps for his name to do a writing campaign. So if it's okay for them, you know, there's no reason. And that's why they were saying it's no reason that Nina Turner shouldn't run third party in a district where it's very um, heavily blue, if it is, um, mm-hmm. or anybody for matter at this point. Um, but I, I, I want us to really live in reality here about let's say Bernie Sanders did win the, the nomination in 2020 and, you know, let's say he was about to beat Trump. Please believe, as Just Ventura said, both parties would come against him. And what Trump revealed to us all, whether he meant it or not, is the way that you can circumvent the people with an election. Because please believe that Bernie Sanders won. You would have had state legislators coming out and revoking those electors for the sake yep. of the system that they want to uphold. So we must, must focus on our local elections, must focus on our state elections. And that is where the third party power is. Because, and I will go back one more time to Brianna Joy Gray and Virgil, Texas. Once January 6th happened, they said something that I'll never forget. That the only reason that the oligarchy did not back those protesters is because they did not need Trump anymore. They got their money. They got what they wanted. And he was a nuisance. And the fact that Jim Clyburn boasted about the fact that George W. Bush, Mr. Weapons of Mass Destruction, said, if it wasn't for you making sure Biden got elected, we not might be here today because only Biden could have beat Trump and gotten here. That says a lot to me. Yeah, those are all good points. And I think you're right. And I, I thought about this at the time, too, that the Democratic Party would have rather had Trump win again than Bernie Sanders win. But I, but I say that I say that. But also keeping in mind that the DNC was never going to let Bernie Sanders be the nominee. They were already talking about changing the rules during the debates. Like, so they, they were already headed in that direction. They were never going to let him be the nominee. And I wish I would have realized that sooner and that I wouldn't have donated so much money to Bernie Sanders. But 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 let's just say he, if the people truly overran and you couldn't deny it, that's where that would have gone though. The state legislators and it's legal. It is a legal way to overturn an election. It's just that Trump didn't have the backing that he really wanted. But he he had a he had a legal way to do it. And so we need to keep that in mind. Your state legislators are very important. And like I said, we really need to start pushing. Maybe there are a few exceptional on the state level. But with this 33 billion they just all gave. Sorry. In 2022, just about on the federal level, you know, no red or blue will do. And we really need to start pushing that on the ground level with our people. I think that's why they're not doing a voting rights bill, because 50 percent of the country when surveyed says I'm independent and only 25% says Democrat or Republican. So even though they make it harder for third parties with that poison pill, the fact that they secure the vote and the fact that somebody could put a stamp or a write in, it's they're scared. They're scared. And as much as Chris just says that they need to be scared of us. Yeah, they're scared of us, but I don't think they're scared enough, scared of us in a way to respect us. It's a difference between being fearing and respecting somebody. They don't respect the people. They do things against our name like these wars yeah so that's you're right uh, no it's a good point 
Um, do you know? I don't know. I I I haven't co- watched all y'all stuff, but have y'all done anything about the Africans in Ukraine that are stuck there and being held hostage by these Nazis? Um, I think we did. I I know I covered in the very beginning, probably. Yeah, I covered part of that and about the volunteers. Oh, um, in the Peace Corps? Yeah. Yeah, I covered that. And my, then I think Nick talked about that as well, about the hostages. Yeah, my wife and I read that together. We were like, oh, wow, like the Peace Corps website. So if you, I think we just need to lift that up more. I think the one of the ways we can try to get an anti-war message out here is like, how can these Democrats say they're for civil rights? And yet they're just desecrating a civil rights legend who, yes, had an alleged and with evidence, um, but alleged sexual case, but never got to really have a fair shot like um, like the guy from Minnesota who was a senator. can't remember his name right now. He at least had a hearing and then they forced him out to make sure that um, Roy Moore didn't get in there back in 2018. But uh, he wrote the bill about these guys and President Obama followed that. I mean, his President Obama's position is now the restrained position. He didn't do this like they won it eight years ago, Biden and all of that. So if we can juxtapose, like, how can you be on civil rights when you're going against the bill of a civil rights person and you got Africans over there being held hostage while they're fighting, uh, while these Nazis are fighting nuclear superpower? I mean, it's 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 just absurd. And it, it, I think that's one of the ways we can create leverage in our messaging that maybe we have left until they cancel you and take your PayPal away. But <laughs> um, I know, but, I know, because we can't even really talk about it now. Like we can't but, even really talk because like now they're just like banning people who talk about it. And then Mayorkas is like, no, we're going to come after people. They got a lady who yodels and sings that's on TikTok that's coming after people. I mean, it's ridiculous. I saw Jimmy's show today and I'm just like, wow. And I just, I genuinely believe like that's the only leverage we have there because you can't say you're for civil rights when the person who was a civil rights legend made sure Rosa Parks didn't get marked out here. Like, wrote the bill on these people and was correct. I mean, Kim Iverson's whole radar about a Switzerland NATO analyst who was invested in NATO told the truth that 40% of the Ukrainian army was the Azov battalion and other white nationalist groups because all the Russian speaking people in the Ukrainian army were giving the weapons to Ukraine, not Russia. And then 90% of them didn't show up for the call when the national guard would say, come up arms. They just quit. Like, it, it just breaks the whole narrative. So I think mm-hmm. once again, black people, we can save the world in this whole situation because they're they're playing they're playing footsies with World War Three and nuclear warfare at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but that's all I had to say. Um, I would check out Dr. West's thing with um one of the Black Peace Corps members when this thing happened. I don't know if you saw that live stream when they were talking about what was going on with our African brothers, but yeah. We need to kill the collective of people. Yeah, they were saying hashtag stop the war, stop the racism. So I'll check. I'll yeah. check it out. Yeah, look at those right. months. Thank you, though. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. All right, I'm going to go to the next caller, and that is Jonathan. Hey, Sabs, how are you doing? Hello, welcome back. Hey, uh, thank you so much. Um, just want to bring up some key points about. Uh, question for tonight. I would definitely say that um, Kashama's her uh, model for third party, I mean yes I definitely say it's definitely a model that um, progressives can use 
Um, I think that it does. It it it's a, I'll say it's a model. So looking at it, I would say absolutely. Um, for those who call themselves progressive, who actually are progressives, uh, of course, not progressive by name only. Um, just one thing I want to bring up. We saw in the interview that she talked about her recall election. I don't know if, any, if everyone remembers this, but her recall election was very unique. The elections for Seattle, the mayoral election was November the 2nd. Her recall election was December the 7th. That was intentional. And it was really weird that they would actually do that um, because the purpose behind that was they're trying to get, because they knew that the turnout would be low. So when she says that they went out and they worked, they had to work hard. Actually, before the recall election, they actually were trying to petition for them to withdraw the recall. They went, they fought in the courts. Like, this was a battle. So when she says we had to fight, she means they really had to fight. Um, and as far as the Social Alternative Party, one thing that I was just listening to the uh, interview she did with Brianna Joy Gray, I believe it was two weeks ago. And in that part of there, actually, they have, how can I say, um, felt check safes. So in other words, not so they do things so they're not co-opted by the Democratic Party or influenced by big money. Um, so they can vote each mem- uh, members out. I think they have a majority, if a majority votes and they have to go to the board that's of the social alternative and if things happen, then that person can be removed. So, and the reason why I think that question was brought up is because we saw with the uh, the DSA where you have that that they were um, that they endorsed people like AOC and Jamal Bowman, and now we see which where they're going. So, Brown was like, "Okay, how do we know that the social alternative doesn't fall in that direction?" And because one thing I love about Kasama is that she's very transparent, and I can all and you can tell that she's very authentic. And she never backs down from a hard question. So she said, as far as the social alternative goes, this is how we roll things. This is how we do things. And that's something that as a third party, you would have to have because I, just like yourself, question electoral politics. Just like you, I went out and voted for Obama for 2008. I was prideful, happy. I'm like, yeah, first black president. He's progressive, all that stuff. 2012, I did vote for him out of fear. And I said to myself, I will never do that again. So needless to say, I did not vote for Hillary in 20, uh, in 2016. But um, also, India Walton. One thing I did like about her campaign is that it showed that, that the whole model vote blue, no matter who, doesn't matter at all. We can yep. throw that theory out the door. Because we saw that even though she won the Democratic primary, her challenger came back. Went actually, he went on a third-party ticket. I forgot it. It, it was they, it was some sort of name they gave their ticket, but like you said, he was a write-in candidate. And I remember India Walton saying when she was at the debate, she said, "I don't know why I'm here. I won my primary. Why am I here yeah. debating?" And it was it was ridiculous. And somebody from the Democratic Party, I believe in the state of New York, I know Roger Meadows will probably correct me on this, did say, listen, this guy is no longer Democrat. He should no longer, I think he had like a position in the, in the Democratic Party in um, New York. And they said, listen, he's no longer Democrat. He ran as a non-Democrat. He should no longer hold a position in the party, but he still does. After running third party. So it, it's both uh, blue no matter who, 
you know, we can scrap that whole idea because India Walton was a clear indication that that doesn't work. And also, one more thing. You said that um, you're talking about educators. You know, I'm an educator. Um, and I teach your favorite subject, math. And, uh, <laughs> and I think you're looking for the right words to use when it comes to the type of schools. I would, if you want to use this verbiage, that's fine. If not, I teach is what is called a Title I school. And for those who don't know what Title I is, I, I know you know what that is, sad, but those are for schools in which students come from low-income families that make up at least 40% of the enrollment. So we get funding outside of what you would get normal funding for from um, real estate taxes because in the city that I teach in, uh, only 20% of the residents actually own their homes. And so the rest of them are renters. And that's pretty pretty standard. But um, I will say this. As a, and I'm in my third year teaching, I've noticed that they do want people to come in to make a change. They actually do want those teachers. The problem is they want us to make a change with inside the system, which does not work at all. Like I, (laughs) I had keep in mind that I, I, I'm, I'm much older, but when I was in high school, this was before Bush became president. So there was no child left behind. After No Child Left Behind, it was like, just get them in, get them a diploma, and get them out. We don't care. So I got to deal with kids that I'm like, we are sending you into a world that you're not even prepared for. You can't even do third grade math, but you have a high school diploma. And they want us to talk about white supremacy and this dismantling the the um the corporate structure and go out there and be change agents i'm like some of these kids can't even read past a third grade level how in the hell am i are they going to make some type of change and then we get them to college and they get into debt they realize college isn't for them then they have student loans they have to take uh, it's, it's like a continuous cycle so i'm saying from my perspective yes they want they want change but you can't change a system you, I'm sorry, you can't make change with inside the system if the system itself has not changed. The system is designed for the students to fail. We know that the system is designed for them to fail. And the city that I teach in, they just cut the budget again for education. So it's like, okay, we have to get more students in. So that's going to be more, more of an impact on education because, you know, more students in the classroom leads to low expectations when it comes to testing and grading, all that stuff. So we got more students coming in because in order for us to break even, we got to get more students coming in, more students with IEPs that um, don't get the services that they need. It's, it's a whole system, but they want us to, hey, let's read, um, um, Z- what's her name, um, Zamina Hammond and um, how to create cultivating geniuses and um, Dr. Goldie Muhammad. No, sorry, that's Dr. Goldie Muhammad, the wrong person. Or, uh, sorry, do curriculums that are um, culture responsive. I'm like, I don't have the capacity, the time, nor the bandwidth to do all that stuff. Trying to dismantle the system within the system, but yet you're still giving me, you're still saying, okay, do all this, but you still have to hit this goal. Yeah, I have to have this percentage of graduates. They have to have this certain amount of grades. We got to yeah, so that's just from my perspective. And I'm sorry to talk so much, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. You're right. Like they it's it's almost impossible to change it from when with within the inside. Same thing with the political system too. It's like how are you gonna change a party that's owned by Wall Street? Mm-hmm. And Wall Street's calling the shots. Like how are you gonna change 
you got to get the money out first. That's what I was saying. Like, why, why isn't the focus getting money out of politics? Like, why isn't the focus on that? Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised. And there's other numbers too. I can show on my show another time, but mm-hmm. you'd be surprised. Even some of these progressive can or progressive uh, <laughs> candidates per se that said they only took grassroots donations. I have receipts that say otherwise. So it's just it again, most people are not going to dig that deep. Most people aren't going to look that far, but I have receipts that show that some of these progressive candidates that said they only took grassroots donations are not telling the truth. And again, that goes back to the money and that's why you need to get money out of politics. So that's a big part of it, but I'm going to go to the next caller, Jonathan. Thanks so much. No problem. Thank you. All right. Uh, Lance, since you already went, I'm going to go to uh, Reggie because he hasn't spoken yet. All right, Reggie, you are on the mic. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, actually, Hello. I've been watching. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me now? Okay. Uh, I've been watching this and playing co- close attention all along and I including going back when the, the, the idea was that uh, just as Democrats were going to come inside and then start cleaning things up from the inside because that's the best way to do it because tried to take over the party. Well, we know that they didn't take over the party. The party took them over and some of them might have had good plans and good ideas, but we see where they've gone. And we see where they keep on going. They get absorbed by the machine. They become the machine. The only way that we're going to make headway on getting the two parties, that both of them are together one way or another, you know, the Republicans and the Democrats, as far as uh, representing the money interest, the corporate interest, is for the people and the unions and the people that actually work to come together, just like uh, the Amazon, you know, strike or not strike the Amazon uh, union organization in New York and the Starbucks union organization. We need to uh, support each other and the unions and the people who are in the trenches working. And we need to force them to line up with us. And for that, we need to, uh, we need to support a separate route than going into a party. Or if you go into a party, I don't even know if you, you can do anything with either of the two parties from the inside. I hate to say it. It almost seems like you'd have a better chance uh, <laughs> making headway if you went through the Republican Party and try to force them into the populist direction. Because I don't see any populism being supported other than lame lip service from the Democrats right now. It's it absolutely nothing. You know, the, the, you get promised and promised. All the things they can do, they've always had the power to do it. They don't do it. Just like a medical for all in California, this could very easily be done. All they, they keep on saying, if you just get some more of us, then we can do it. The, if you still believe that, then you're, you're just fooling yourself. It needs to be done like the Tea Party did with the Republicans. As you go in there, you take no prisoners, you play spoiler and make them come to you to get anything, you know, make them a, you know, make them so that let's, let's be honest, we're going to come up to the midterms. The Democrats are going to get creamed by the Republicans. And it's not because the Republicans didn't do any good. 
it's because the Democrats did so much bad and they essentially betrayed a lot of the workers, or at least that's, we know that that's been going on for quite a while, but it's now very difficult for anybody who's in the trenches. I mean, it's hard to believe anything they tell you about what they're going to do for you, no matter what you do and line up and vote for them. They have never delivered even when they had the opportunity to deliver and the ones that were going to go in there and to take it over and actually start reforming it they're <laughs> they almost all either their uh, true colors came out or they got corrupted. So I think that we have to take a third route and then align with the, whichever party will give us the best deal. Make them come to us for getting our support, not give them support, not give any of them support unless there's something in it for us. That's how you negotiate a deal with people who do not uh, do not live up to their side. Don't give them anything until they give it to you because they've already proved that no matter how much they say, well, if you do this for us, we'll make it up to you. You know, it's the checks, you know, it's the check in the mail, baby. I'll still respect you in the morning type thing. It's not. You know, they have done this over and over, and that's, you know, my feeling on it. It's time to play a bit of hardball. Don't be, you know, don't be uh, mean or too, you know, too obnoxious, but just be hard. Say, you know, we're done. You, you're going to come to us. If you want any support, you have to give us something first. None of this will pay you later. That doesn't work anymore. Mm, well said, Reggie. Thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. Okay. Thank you. All right, Lance, you're back. And guys, uh, Farak is going to be the last caller. I got to end a little bit earlier tonight. So Lance, you're on the mic. Yeah, thank you for letting me speak again. So uh, whatever I'll say about you know, being cynical and all that, it's a question of um, if, I, if, if this was what I was going to say is the Democrats would rather lose. And that became apparent, if you remember, the Georgia election, which was only won by grassroots. To give Stacey Abrams the credit. I don't, you know, she, I'm not a huge fan, but, and the other folks, it was on, you know, grassroots on the ground, get out the vote. They didn't think they were going to win Georgia. And so it wasn't a question of like, wow, let's celebrate. But now that we have power, it was like, they didn't want it. And they've done everything they could to undermine whatever progressive energy from day one and before. As far as Bernie Sanders and the progressives, one wonders just to just to be brief, you know, something else here is that we need a turner now. For instance, Kashama Kashama Savant, who I the last thing I was saying to Bree last night was Kashama Savant for president. I don't know if she's eligible, but I mean she's just the best. And to li- and this isn't a direct analogy, but listening to like say Kashama Savant speak and Nina, it's like if I listen to Martin Luther King. It's like listening to Martin Luther King and then listening to Reverend Al. You know, that that's that's just about the way I could describe how listening to, say, Kashama Savant or Nina Turner. And I think she's just kind of a more refined version of, like, AOC, who could say seven paragraphs of just why we can't quite ever have an idea of when and if and how we're going to get real stuff done. Always a little around the corner. You know, just give us enough money for the next time. And the movements are great, but when what then stuff happens behind closed doors. And she basically, Nina Turner said the same thing that AOC and those guys did. 
thank you. Every cycle we will, because she said this, every cycle we're going to need you, all your support, but then you got to let us just do our thing, you know, behind closed doors. That, you know, no, <laughs> you know, and like I said, I think that uh, the other thing is that's why, why were they so afraid of Nina Turner? She's, they know what she's about. And I think it's, I think it had to come down to jealousy. I think there was a nice coalition of squad folks who said, eh, you know, they didn't want to be outshined because she's really good. I think that's part of it. That, that she was going to be in the mm-hmm. way of AOC and some of these others to get to their eventual speakership. Do you think what, you know what I mean? Mm, that's a good point. I mean, I do think AOC has um, high political ambitions. I, 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 I have to throw this in there. I think I'll bet you a dollar to a donut, Sab, that if you were a fly on the wall, Nancy Pelosi came out of hard scrabble Baltimore politics as an Italian when it was like, not, you know, it was, it was like kind of like being where she's from, where, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Hispanic, but you know, uh, yes, yeah, not like the old days where it's, where, where we were off the boat Italian, but you know, Nancy Pelosi still, you know, right? Italian. I promise you, Pelosi painted a picture and said, you're me. You're the young person of, you know, color, you know, marginal group, and you can work your way through the system and you'll be speakers today if you just spend 20 years, because I was that progressive young person. I promise you that's what she did. She painted a picture of that you could be like me and just walk in my footsteps someday. I know she did. I guarantee it. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And, uh, yep. That's why I say Bernie himself i'm sorry to say bernie but yep and aoc and nina and all these people because she's not really a threat in any way because what she's about just with jealousy they're what i call prog whispers just come out just to say just enough make just the right tweets go to after the fact just enough union rallies and i think guarantee that they're going to come out more and more because otherwise they know that uh what is chris small is going to call them out. he said look if they want to jump on board fine but they better be in it for the long haul i'm not going to let them jump on the bandwagon do a bunch of tweets and then everybody's going to give them money again so he's going to call them out if, if and say okay guys where are you for the next rally and say uh-oh you know what i mean so he said that already you know so they're going to be mm-hmm. on board with him you know I think they're going to have to be because their feet were put to the fire. God, do we need any more evidence of they don't do it till you make them then they'll do it. And they'll <laughs> jump to your team. Hello. We're not listening to big band jazz anymore. I love my folks, but I'm into rock and roll, baby. I want the Beatles. Frank Sinatra can go, you know, do another retirement tour. You know what I mean? It's like, uh-uh. Now they have to play to their too. And I, there it is, right? We talk about it's a, it's a, it's a zero sum game. It's all about the haves and the have-nots, as the great late Mort Saul said. They, it's all about, at the end of the day, with other marginal differences, and listen to Richard Wolf say this, it's about profit and wages. And every penny of wage you get is a penny less they get in profit. There's no math that's going to change that in the capitalist system. You know? And the penny you fight for now, they'll take two cents tomorrow if you don't keep fighting for it. You know? And so it's like, you got to make them jump to your tune. You're not going to have a better version of, you know, sappy, you know, excuse me, Michael Bolton. No, we're playing some new Jay avant-garde jazz here. And if you don't get hip to the slip, man, forget about it. We're going to leave you behind, you know. So if, you, if you're not going to get down on board to get out of the way, and this is not what's happening on the left. And these people are all sellouts because they're not dumb people. I don't care. I'm sorry. All the break people, all these duopolists, no. They're all sellouts, and they all like their little fiefdom. And like and you've said this so many times, like I've said, you've always opened up more things that, you know, is that these people are comfortable. They're not suffering. And it's gone from, mm. okay, fine. 
not everybody's a movement person in the streets. Okay, okay, fine. But now you're on you're on independent media. Well, now you can have all these people on. And I'll I'll leave with this, right? So and it's going off on a tangent, but like you talk about the left and, and getting everybody on board. You know, breaking points. Yeah, I still like them. I'm like everybody else. I've seen them slip. We're gonna be new now. You know what I think happened when they went from the hill to their own thing, among other things. They realize that they don't have the Hill's legal department if they go over a line where it isn't just a nasty call, but there's something real happened. They got to pay their own way now. They gotta, they're got they like on their own that way, too. So I think they're being more conservative or less independent or whatever you want to call it, because uh, I don't think that so-called independence. It's like saying if you're a freelance writer on your own versus work for the New York Times, all of a sudden you don't have their legal department anymore. You got to hire your own like Steven Donziger had to do. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, Lance, thanks so much for calling on. I'm going to, yeah, thanks so much. I'm going to get to the next caller. Thank you. Bye. Yep. All righty. All right, guys. So as I mentioned, Frocked is going to be the last caller. Uh, Will, I'm just letting you know that because I see you in the calling queue. All right. um, Fract, you're on the mic. Thanks. I was trying to make this quick um, since you gave me a second chance because I like Will. Uh, shout out to Lance, actually, um, for that last point, because I was wondering about breaking points, too. Uh, I wanted to agree with you on the teaching thing. First and foremost, my godmother has been a principal, an administrator and a teacher. and She can't stand to talk about her job anymore. She says the exact same things. Um, so I feel you on that. And I've been a substitute teacher myself before, so I understand. I did want to talk about the money and politics part. I think we need to think a little deeper. How did the money and politics get there in the first place to where we would have this system of, of, of not having a system of accountability? Cause the money is just a means of prestige, which is what classism racism is, as Irony has pointed out. It's the point of saying I'm better than you. So I think we have to really think about even if you get the money out, well, how'd the money get in the first place? It wasn't the money that was the issue. It was what drove, what the money was used for. And it's, it's a people issue. So uh, I think we have to really look at who we're electing. I, I do think Sharma should run. Um, if anything, if Nina were to ever run, that might help her because they were like, we'd rather have her than have <laughs> Sharma. So, Sharma. So I think the Sharma, it would be the best person to hedge against, um, Kamala because black people overall just were not feeling her anyway. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. And so you got a South Asian. Yes. Who's not black, but actually stood with Black Lives Matter. Like I said, she didn't wait for people to believe in her or make her feel good. She went and did it herself. That's why she's the standard bearer. And that goes to the point, I think, of what Crystal Ball did say. If Bernie is still the leader of this movement, I think that's a failure on us because with Danny Glover, they did do the documentary on um, Eugene Debs. And that was his way of cutting the movement loose respectfully. He informed people. If I can lead you somewhere, I can lead you out of somewhere. You don't need a leader. Think for yourself. Democracy works. That was the best thing he ever did after he stepped down from the race. I will give him that credit. But that that is on us. If Bernie's still the only person that could run, and it's just not going to work for the various reasons that you had people on the call the other night. So lastly, I did want to ask, are you, do you believe that if Trump was in office, we wouldn't be in this war right now? Probably not. Probably not. I don't think that was some. I don't think that was something that he wanted. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but probably not. I, I thought the impression that I received is that he was actually trying to smooth things over with with Putin. 
So, that was so the impression here, that I got. Again, I don't know what went on behind closed doors, but I, I, the impression that I got is that he was not trying to go down that road. But right. So, so this is why I brought this up. I think, reasonably speaking, he had anti-war instincts. Don't like the guy. Didn't vote for him. Wouldn't vote for him. He had anti-war instincts. He wanted to get Afghanistan. Got rolled on it. Let's remember that. He want. He was against NATO. Still paid them. And I think that you got to realize it was because of him undoing everything Obama did, including the gain of function research and including funding those Nazis. That was under him. And let's not forget all that Russiagate stuff made him hawkish towards Russia on the record. And because of Trump, we nearly all nuclear deals with Russia we're gone except for one because of Putin. So if anything, he would have likely been pushed even more and a lot faster. Could Biden go with the no fly zone? Yes. But I think Trump would have had more pressure on him. And we've seen what happens when a person who likes a lot of attention gets mad. All of us do, but especially certain people like Trump, he would have been more hawkish to prove that he wasn't a Putin puppet because everybody was on him because of so I think I just say this for us on the left that are anti-war and even those anti-war right people, it, 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 I get it's desperate. We're feeling desperate because of the near nuclear war that we're about to go into. Hopefully not, but it's very likely. It's just wishful thinking. And I think it would be more intelligent of us to really think about it as much as we would like to think that he wouldn't do it. On the record, he was doing everything that led up to this point in the first place. And Biden just didn't change the funding of those neo-Nazis. So I just I just say that for our sake, I I get it that we're trying to give credit where credit is due. And if we don't like the person, they only say something true once because it's about the truth. We could talk about the motives behind why they said the truth, whether they were saying the right things and doing the right things for the right reason. As Dr. King said, when challenged about, you know, if you believe the movement over the Vietnam War. But. We got to really, I I would say, maybe as Nick would say, have some revolutionary discipline about this. So to all your friends, Jimmy, all of them, Kim, Iverson, we need to really think about this because honestly, he had so much pressure on him. Biden, he just did the Iraq, the uh, Afghanistan thing. So like he does, he doesn't have that Russiagate pressure on him. That's why I think he's able to, to his credit, hold back a little bit and be like, no, we're not doing a no fly zone. They pushed him to say genocide, but so let the lawyers decide it. But that's hey, I, what I respect what everybody believes. But a pastor once said, sometimes the blessing isn't what you get, what you didn't get. We didn't get Hillary Clinton. We didn't get Trump again. We didn't even get these progressives that have shown that there can be quite authoritarian and will weaponize even the Nazis. Like Sam Cedar said, you use a weapon that's in the street. I'm like, oh, OK. So just saying things have people have revealed themselves under stress. I think it would just be more, I think, especially with COVID, I think it would be more intelligent for us on the anti-war left and then those on the anti-war right. Let's be honest about Trump. He had the instincts. He was right about calling out NATO. But when it came down to it, he, he rolled. He got rolled just like sadly Bernie got rolled when it came to COVID. That's why a lot of black people were like, "Mm, I don't know about Bernie. I like him, but, you know, he might leave us for somebody else. So that's why I wanted to put that out there. And last but not least, please, please, please. I'm, I know I'm being annoying, but please have a whole session with Chris Smalls and all of y'all at Fred Happen Let This Black Revolutionary. 
y'all got to talk about this automation. It's coming. I can see it. I can feel it. I've studied informatics. I can see this and smell it and taste it. You got to let everybody you talk to know who's heterodox. This is where the automation would come pertinently. Like they showed it in 2021 with the robot dogs. They showed it with the machines in these warehouses. This is where it's going to come in when everybody gets back to unions. And if we don't have something on paper legally, they're going to get us out of a job because they don't want to do it. And since they didn't force them in a wage by law, once everybody gets hired, they can just cut everybody back down to 725. So it's the Mm, same thing. That's a good point. So I got to stress that. We got to talk about this automate. This is the time. It's the last thing they have to stand against labor, because if you can control labor, you can stop policies. You can stop wars. This is why they did this. That's why they hate the truckers. That's why they want to automate the truckers. My dad was a trucker. He drove for Chrysler. They they want to do this. This is a very practical way to really a very applicable way to actualize robots in the workplace just with manufacturing and just sorting things. They will spend the money and get things wrong just to make sure that you have nothing. Just like with Jim Crow. They spent money on cotton, knowing they didn't mean anything just to keep from black folks from being able to farm and feed themselves and keep them in debt. That's why our farming is jacked up. And I think the funky academic for teaching that lesson, because that is what it means for classes of racism and anything else. I'm better than you and I can rule over you and I'm willing to spend the money to do it and lose. Mm. Well, thanks for calling in so much, um, Frock. I, I do have I have one more person left, and then I I do yes, have to get going. I'm good. But thank you thank so you much. For letting me, thank you for letting me in. Uh, please let the last, next person on. He's good. <laughs> All righty. All right, Wilhelm, you're the last caller. You're on the mic. Hey, Savvy. Hello. Hi. Um, I think we need to have like um a long view of what trends have been happening in history like if you listen to Matt Taibbi uh, he did an interview with Russell Brand where he talked about 40 years back like the Democratic Party was getting uh, beaten by the Republican Party and then they pivoted they said we need to take more money Um, it's been happening for decades now um, that they've been shifting to the right like both parties have been shifting to the right under our noses and so we need to have people who are aware of this constantly bringing this up that we are all being indoctrinated into expecting less and less. Um, Like if you listen to Obama saying, I would have been considered a moderate Republican. Um, If you listen to Chuck Schumer saying like for every working class, like blue collar worker that we lose, we're going to pick up these moderate Republicans. Like they, they admit it. You just got to listen to them. Like we're, we're getting uh, pushed uh, into these positions of, of precariousness um, and bring up every time they say, we don't have money for these programs. How come we always have money for war? Why do we always have money for defense contractors and, and Ukrainians? Like we need to feed people, house people, like there's people that are homeless everywhere. Like this is this is just like a complete con job. And most of these representatives 
don't have the moral fortitude to stand up for for these things um, because of institutional capture. Because that you know, there's that one Republican uh, representative who revealed that he got invited to sex parties, uh, cocaine fueled by cocaine. I mean, there's all these kinds of mechanisms that keep on hooking people that are that go into uh, Congress. And we don't know about that. So they create like this in-group, out-group, out-group dynamic. And you can hear it in the way that they speak to us. Like you, like I'm, I'm pretty sensitive to just kind of like a condescending uh, language that's used. Like you, you feel like you're not being told everything that's going on. There isn't the transparency that you get from Shama Sawant. Like that's what made Shama Sawant, Trump, and all these people that they, they they come across as unvarnished, and that's what we need. Like we don't need these people giving us these these like um, placating taps on the head. Uh, so we need to look for people like that 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 are that are able to run outside of of these this duopoly that that has like all these mechanisms to bring them into the folds, to pressure, to, to beat them with a stick, uh, to fall in line. Um, yeah, like I'm just done with, with, uh, these two parties. Like I, I've, I've been voting like third party since 2000. Like I've just, Ralph Nader, I mean, you see how they demonized Ralph Nader. Uh, and it was based on, so much propaganda, like the people didn't didn't owe their votes to uh, to Gore, like Ralph, like the people that voted for Ralph Nader wouldn't have gone and voted like they just create all these narratives that people who are so-called smart, like they fall for it. They fall for these things. And so that's why they, they play the long game. They, they tell us, like, look what happened with this example of a third party person who ran and then they feed you like all these narratives that that kind of validate like the the duopoly and so like we just need to expose all this stuff like we need we need to keep all these things in our head talk to people who are academics who are activists uh who who know all these things who have like a really long view of all these patterns that 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 uh, all these like trajectories that have happened um, because they, they rely on us having like a, an attention span of, of like a couple of weeks, months, couple of years, but we need to have a long view that spans like decades. Well said, Willem. Well said. Thank you so much. All right, Thanks, guys. Um, yeah. Thank you. So much for all in. I hate to leave you guys, but I have to, it's, it's past my time. Um, I do want to say uh, thank you so much to everyone who called in and for everyone who is listening. Yes, we definitely do have to make some changes guys. Keep up the fight. I do want to let you know that there is something uh, very important that is happening. Uh, most of you know, I, I did cover this story the other day about Chris Hedges. He was speaking out about the censorship that was happening to Alice Walker. So Alice Walker has been banned uh, from the book festival. And I do want to show everyone here 
that I did receive this email yesterday that it looks like Chris Hedges and Alice Walker are actually going to do a webinar. Uh, this is going to be May 3rd. So that's Tuesday from 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's going to be uh, with Chris Hedges and Alice Walker. It says stand with Alice Walker, say no to censorship. Anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism. So definitely uh, check this out if you can. If you're watching me on YouTube, you can actually see this right now, like on your screen. I'm going to go ahead and put the link to this in the chat. You can register to attend this webinar. So I definitely think uh, you should check it out if you can. Um, looks like it's going to be uh, quite a big deal. So definitely check that out. Again, it is the United National Anti-War Coalition. It is with Alice Walker and Chris Hedges, and that will be Tuesday, May 3rd, 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I think that is going to be an awesome event to attend if you can do so. So I do want to go ahead and give a shout out to Sean. Thanks for the super chat. Great job on Jimmy Dore's show the other day. Thanks so much, Sean. Thanks so much. I've gotten a lot of emails from people and, and compliments about that. It's good to know I'm doing a good job. <laughs> Sometimes you never know. <laughs> Just being honest with you. Uh, and then I have one more uh, comment on Rockfin. I'll go ahead and take that as well, Eric, if that is ready. Or maybe it's not ready. Or it is. Okay. Uh, thank you for this as well, Roger Meadows. Thanks for the tip. No more parties, no more parties for the simple fact. They become the status quo, like what you described with school administrators serving to protect. It diverts donations away from politicians and put it towards ballot initiatives. New York State, New York State needs right of first refusal law to transfer ownership of company to workers that will stop automation. Sab, you see my videos from Albany fighting for New York Health Act housing in Qualified Immunity Clean Slate Act. Thank you so much for that, Roger. Yes, I did see those. And thank you for this tip, Nicole. Voting for Shama before they district the Seattle City Council was the only vote I am still proud of. Well said, well said. All right, I want to go ahead and end this on call-in. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. I'm going to go ahead and end this room.